Chapter Twenty Nine of Two London Town. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. To London Town by Arthur Morrison. Chapter Twenty Nine. Mr. Butson was perhaps a shade relieved when he returned home that night and found all quiet and Johnny in bed. He had half expected that his inopportune return might have caused trouble, but the night after, as he came from the railway station, a little earlier than usual, Johnny stopped him in the street. "'I want to speak to you,' he said. "'Just come round by the dock wall.' His manner was quiet and businesslike, but Mr. Butson wondered. "'Why?' he asked. "'Can't you tell me here?' "'No, I can't. There are too many people about. It's money in your pocket if you come.' Mr. Butson went. What it meant he could not imagine, but Johnny usually told the truth, and he said it would be money in his pocket, a desirable disposition of the article. The dock wall was just round a corner, a tall raking wall at one side of a sparsely lit road that was empty at night, and a lower wall at the other. The road reached by a flight of steps rising from the street, and a gateway in the low wall. Well, what is it now? Mr. Butson asked suspiciously. As Johnny stopped under a gas lamp and looked right and left along the deserted road? Only just this, Johnny replied with simple distinctness. You wanted Mother to give you my money every week, though in fact she's been letting me keep it. Well, here's my last week's money. He shook it in his hand. And I'll give it you if you'll stand up here and fight me. What? Fight you? You? Mr. Butson laughed, but he felt a secret uneasiness. Yes, me. You'd rather fight a woman, no doubt, or a lame girl. But I'm going to give you a change and make you fight me here. Johnny flung his jacket on the ground and his hat on it. Don't be such a young fool, quoth Mr. Butson loftily. Put on your jacket and come home. Yes, presently, Johnny replied grimly. Presently I'll go home and take you with me. Come, you're ready enough to punch my mother without being asked, or my sister. Come and punch me and take pay for it. Mr. Butson was a little uncomfortable. I suppose, he sneered, you've got a knife or a poker or something about you like what you threatened me with before. I haven't even brought a stick. You're the sort of coward I expected, though you're bigger than me and heavier. Come. He struck the man a heavy smack on the mouth. Now fight. Butson snarled and cut at the lad's head with the handle of his walking stick. But Johnny's arm straightened like a flash and Butson rolled over. What I thought you'd do, remarked Johnny seizing his wrist and twisting the stick away. Now get up. Come on. Mr. Butson sat and gasped. He fingered his nose gently and found it very tender and bleeding. He seemed to have met a thunderbolt in the dark. He turned slowly over on his knees and so got on his feet. Hit me. Come hit me, called Johnny, sparring at him. Fancy I'm only my mother, you cur. Come, I'm hitting you, see? So? 
he seized the man by the ear twisted it and wrapped him about the face the treatment would have roused a sheep butson sprang at johnny grappled with him and for a moment bore him back johnny asked nothing better he broke ground checked the rush with half-arm hits and stopped it with a quick double left flush in the face it was mere slaughter johnny was too hard too scientific too full of cool hatred the wretched butson bigger and heavier as he might be was flaccid from soft living and science he had none but he fought like a rat in a corner reeking nothing of rule but kicking biting striking wrestling madly though to small purpose for his enemy deadly calm and deadly quick saw every movement ere it was made and battered with savage precision whenever you've had enough said johnny as butson staggered and leaned against the wall you can stop it you know by calling the police you like the police there's always one of em in the next street and you've only to shout i shall hammer you till you do and he hammered a blow on the ear drove butson's head against the wall and a swing from the other fist brought it away again he flung himself on the ground get up cried johnny get up what you won't all right you went down by yourself you know so's to be let alone but i'm coming down too and with that he lay beside butson and struck once more and struck again chuck it groaned butson i'm done oh leave me alone leave you alone answered johnny rising and reaching for his jacket not i you didn't leave my mother alone as soon as she asked you did you i'll never pass you again without clouding your head come home he hauled the bruised wretch up by the collar crammed his hat on his head and cut him across the calves with his own walking stick go on march can't you leave me alone now whined butson you done enough ain't ye no not near enough and you'll have a lot more if you don't do as i tell you i said i'd take you home and i will go on two or three dark streets led to harbor lane but they were short it was past closing time and when they reached the shop the lights were turned down and the door shut nan opened to johnny's knock and he thrust butson in before him here he is said johnny not thrashed half enough dusty and bleeding his face nigh unrecognizable under cuts and bruises butson sat on a box a figure of shame nan screamed and ran to him i did it where the neighbors wouldn't hear johnny explained and if he'd been a man he'd have drowned himself rather than come here after the way i've treated him he's a poor cur and i'll buy a whip for him there's the money i promised you he went on putting it on the box it's the first you've earned for years and the last you'll have here if i can manage it but nan was crying over that dishonorable head and wiping it with her handkerchief end of chapter twenty nine recording by john brandon